Welcome to the Winners Get Waffles podcast with Brandon Buckner, Zach Leonard, and Matt Heron. Let's get going. everybody hope you guys are staying healthy and happy out there welcome to episode three of winners get waffles i'm joined by matt heron and zach leonard guys say hey 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 guys uh whether you're listening on youtube soundcloud or itunes or just a link your buddy sent you we appreciate you guys for listening we got a great show um to do today starting things off is we got zach leonard um you know like i said on one of the earlier episodes. He's probably our most avid reader um, on our staff. And so he's gonna be presenting his book of the week. Hey guys, um, we're gonna start off talking about James Clear. First off, I wanna tell you, he's a fantastic Twitter follow. So if you're not following him, you definitely should be. He's just a really intelligent person that puts out really thought provoking tweets. So his he is at James Clear. Now, the book of the week is Atomic Habits. Um, it's a fantastic read, and it's all about small habits that lead up to, you know, big results over time. Okay, so I kind of the best way to think of it is kind of compound interest, but for everything in your life, not just money, right? So these small habits that can literally change your life down the line, right? They work, 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 and make a big change for you. So. Uh, I'll give you two probably easy examples, reading every day. So in fact, we'll make it a little bit simpler, reading five pages a day. After one week of reading five pages a day, there's not that big of a difference, right? You know, you're you're not a changed person, not a lot's going on. Uh, A month into it, you might feel a little bit smarter. You might have more ideas. It might be easier to continue reading. But, you know, you're talking about five, 10 years down the line, all of a sudden you're a completely different person. You know, the results uh, can be mind boggling how much of a different person you are because of all the reading you've put in. You know, when you're putting in five pages a day, that's going to really, really add up. And it's such a small amount but you're knocking out a ton of books. Another example I like to use is John Wood. Uh, legendary basketball coach at UCLA, one of the best basketball coaches of all time, uh, taught his players every single year how to put on their socks and how to lace their shoes. To the average person, that seems like not a big deal, right? But by doing that and making sure his athletes were doing that the right way, this is what he felt like he got out of it. So he would say there would be less blisters because they put them on the right way and laced their shoes up the right way. Less blisters equals more practice time. More practice time leads to more and more wins. So if it was important enough for him, you know, it makes a lot of sense. So that's kind of one of those atomic habits that seem really, really small, but make a big difference in the long run that people might not even think about. Um, But he also, this is probably the coolest part. He also teaches everybody involved how to build these habits, right? How to incorporate new habits, incorporate new habits into your life. And I think it's a great book for right now because a lot of us are sitting at home. You know, we got a lot of time to look at our habits 
and, and think about what we want to start using today that will make a big difference in the future. So again, that book is Atomic Habits by James Clear, and you should definitely follow him on Twitter at James Clear. Yeah, nice, man, that's, nice. that's like one of my favorite, favorite woodenisms. You got to teach people how to do everything. If you, if you want to do things a certain way, you got to teach them how to do literally tie their shoes and put on their socks because I mean, for real, you don't know, you don't know coaching. You don't know a kid's background when you get them and you can't assume anything. If they show up, they legitimately may not know how to put socks and shoes on the right way. They may just slide them on, not tie their shoelaces. And that works for like one person from Michigan a few years ago, but it doesn't work for everybody. So that's, that's probably like my favorite thing. Gotcha. Yeah, no, it, it was definitely interesting to, um, hear coach Leonard talk just now about, I think it's easy for people not to understand maybe the, the bigger picture or, you know, if I'm doing X, Y, and Z a little bit at a time or, or focusing on getting better at this aspect, what is it going to do for me in the long run? Or what is it going to do for my group or my team or my organization um, in the long run? Definitely really interesting. Yeah. Another great example for the, uh, you know, the kind of thinking of compound interest that a lot of people do is they ask, you know, hey, would you rather have a million dollars today or a penny doubled every day for a month? Right. So which one's going to be more? Well, judging by the way you put this problem, I'm going to take a penny. Brandon, why don't you go ahead and take a million? All right. So, <laughs> you know, you think about it, and, and most people out there have probably heard this at some point, but, you know, it starts off nothing. You know, a penny doubled today, that's two pennies, four pennies, eight pennies, 16, 32. You see, so the whole time you're thinking, well, this is not a big deal. But what it shows is how much pow more powerful that is over time. You know, day 30, you're going from like 2.5 million to $5 million in that one day difference, right? And, and you know, not even compound interest works like that for money, but it's a good illustration of the power of compound interest, right? These small things mean nothing, mean nothing, mean nothing. Super easy to, to forget about, super easy to do as well, though. So, but over time, boom, now they're making these big changes in your life and you have no idea, right? That's awesome. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like... Uh... It's kind of like if you had to pay somebody, maybe that rate every other day, kind of the same as if putting in work, you know, uh, one penny, the next day got to give them two. But eventually on, on day 30, I'm going broke. <laughs> Unless you fire them at like day 15. <laughs> so uh, sliding into our next subject, uh, Coach Buckner is bringing us a football question today. It's going to be our uh, meat and potatoes of the of the episode. So. Coach Buckner, what do you got for us? All right. So, you know, feel free to, you know, this is kind of chiming in. If you have something offensively, go for it. Or, you know, the defensive aspect of it, um, feel free. So, obviously, RPOs are, are starting to take, take over the game. Um, so, from an offensive standpoint, what is your guys' favorite RPO, if you have one? And then... From a defensive aspect, what is the best way to stop the RPO? So I, I'll hop in here. Um, I don't know if I have, I mean, I love the option game and, and I, I, I was an option quarterback in high school and I, I really enjoy the option game. And 
And my favorite RPO is kind of an interesting thing. The, my favorite RPO is the one that works, I guess. It, it, and a lot of people can say that, but just looking at X's and O's on the board, my favorite one is probably the little escape motion by the back. So it's a three by one, uh, two by one, whatever you have. Probably let's go two by one. And you have a little escape motion. We call it radar and lava motion where the back takes off out of the backfield on the start of the cadence and he's running like a swing pass. And then off of that, I really like having quarterback counter. So I like having our, our three by one with a tight end closed on the, on the nub side, our wing sitting to the trips. Okay. And we escape the back on that motion. And then we would run quarterback counter with our guard pulling and kicking and our wing wrapping on the other side. And we're just reading that overhang. Is that overhang going to, uh, going to expand or is anybody going to move out of the box to start the play? So it's a really easy one for the quarterback. You're just looking there and you go, is somebody leaving the box? If somebody leaves the box, I know I'm running it. Okay. If, if nobody leaves the box on the escape motion or the, uh, the lava radar motion, uh, a lot of people call it different things. If a bat, if nobody leaves, we're going to throw it. But if somebody leaves, we just took somebody out of the box and we're going to hit quarterback counter going away from that motion. And I, I think it's a good play and it's something I'd like to incorporate a little more in what we do uh, this year. Hey, just to jump in on that, that's really tough, especially for what we do to a closed end or, you know, trips closed or however you want to describe that. that that's really, really tough. Um so don't tell anybody that stuff. What are you doing, man? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's the that's the whole thing. Don't help anybody, right? I'm just kidding. But uh, that is a really tough one. What I like about it is really the formation's tough because you got that closed end, but you have that extra gap, and then it looks like empty, but you got your wing close enough to be a part of the blocking scheme and stuff like that. So that's really another gap and somebody who can insert. That's tough. I really, I really like that a lot. That's good stuff. Um, <clears throat> now, defending wise, defensively wise, well, just to throw my input out there, I think slants are a really easy RPO that I think are really effective that people don't do a whole lot of because I guess it's a risky throw because you're throwing it into a form or into the defense's middle kind of, but. It, it's really become underutilized, you know, and I think that's a really good offensive RPO that's simple. I also like any type of pop pass situation. I think that's really good. Get vertical right now. And that's kind of what I'm talking about. So it's tough to know how to defend the RPO if you don't know exactly what the RPO is. But my philosophy always is stop the run. I want to stop the run, but I want to have every single vertical route capped. Right. I don't want an easy vertical throw. So if you don't know, we're a four, three uh, kind of we're usually four, three palms, depending on the formation. So uh, like a two read. But we want to have somebody over top of every single wide receiver just so they can't just peek up and throw it for eight, 10 yards. Right. It also makes it nice because I do want my linebackers being aggressive for the most part. I'll, I'll kind of explain what I mean in a second, but I want them to play the run because we have to stop the run. But somebody has to be able to make a tackle on some of these short throws and stuff like that. Right. 
The other thing that I think is really important from uh, from a defensive perspective is the nickel. Okay, nickel, Sam, whatever you want to call them. Again, when when we're playing a spread team, you know, and you usually think about RPOs from a spread team, but I know anybody can do it. But in my mind, I'm thinking spread teams right now. So I'll have a nickel, you know, out of the box, obviously. But I want him to be patient, right? So we have a no cover rule, you know. Uh, so he's not going to chase something to the flat. He's not going to start breaking on balls and stuff like or start breaking until the ball is thrown. I think that's very, very important. But I also want him patient in the run game. You know, he's kind of a half and half player at that point against spread teams because, yes, he's very important in the run game. But, yes, he's very important in the pass game. So he's going to be a little slow to react. We can handle most runs at least give him a second to find out, you know, is this a run? Is this a pass? So if he's sitting in that window, I think that makes a big difference. Um, I got one other thing. If anybody wants to jump in with any questions or comments about that, but if not, I'll jump in. And uh, I, I think, I mean, I think the biggest thing in our area is, is we have some teams that really hammer some RPOs. And like you said, you just got to know what they're doing. I feel like from defense yeah. um, to at least give yourself a shot. That was a good point. Absolutely. Uh, last thing I want to jump in on this is that, you know, obviously being a 4-3 team, I'm a big believer in, in, you know, teams want to balance us up and try to pick on that weak side a lot. Right. I think I've mentioned that before. So one other kind of change up that we have is we can jump into an under front and really take that. We call them a gunner, but a lot of places call them a jack and take that, you know, weak side defensive end take him off the ball a little bit. We're taking the B gap away, but we're allowing him to go kind of play in between, you know, kind of apex the line of scrimmage and the number two receiver to the weak side, just as a quick change up. So, so, you know, visually that's taken away. You know, they think they got a guy out there, whether he plays that position or we, you know, still bring him like a defensive end or whatever the case might be, you know, visually it looks different and, you know, I'm playing a high school quarterback. So, visual visual cues make a big difference to that kid right yeah i think that's what the big thing is changing the picture and that's kind of the reason i've been hesitant to do so, some rpos with what we do i think what we do on offense being like this spread wing t out to i mean we're just like a, a, an amalgamation of, of different things but it's worked for us um but the biggest thing is that changing picture and i think that's the thing that i've noticed a lot with when we do motions and when we do RPOs, I, I just sometimes don't like the changing picture for the quarterback because a high school quarterback, it doesn't matter. We can sit here all we want and say, oh, yeah, we know this. We know that. We know everything. But that changing picture leads you to have to ha have to trust that guy a lot to make the right read and put you in the right situations. I'm not saying it can't be done, but you got to spend bukus of time on it to make sure that, you know, you trust that guy enough to do it. Well, and that's why I like doing most of our things. I'm kind of going the opposite route of what you're talking about, but I love doing things out of the same picture. I want it to look the same every single time, and then all of a sudden we're doing something a little bit different. I mean, you, you get a lot of easy balls to you when you can change after the snap. I mean, mm. it, it's a, been a big difference maker for us. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, it, it's actually kind of funny, Coach Heron, that uh, you know I have it written up right in front of me. I picked basically my thinking for RPOs is um, 
they're yes, they're based on personnel, but overall they need to be simple, um, especially for the younger it is, you know, high school level um, stuff like that, or or you know, it could be a good weapon if if you maybe you don't have that talented of personnel. But uh, I actually have two that I really like. One's you know more basic, simple, and one's more advanced. And the first one's actually basically the exact same RPO you chose. So, you know, that shows how in sync we are. Uh, <laughs> I, I had the same, I had the same thing three by one uh, with that um, as either three, you know, can be a wing or, or um, kind of a sniffer, but I actually have same thing flaring out the tailback um, as he starts the cadence and oh, where I drew up blocking uh, quarterback power, but um, still basically the same concept. Uh, uh, secondly, it's kind of more advanced. It, it's honestly kind of similar, but, um, you know, I've loved watching some LSU stuff and obviously during the games and, and going back and watching some of their film, um, it's pretty similar, but it's more of a second level. Um, maybe requires more of an accurate quarterback rather than uh, a dual threat or, or mobile. Uh, and all it is is still three by one that uh, we're working number three as a wing shotgun offset with the back to the trips. Um, initially, it's based on the uh, Sam's alignment, you know, if you're playing a 4-3, um, or, you know, if they have a nickel or rule down safety or something like that. We're basically, it's one of those uh, two-route RPOs where we're going to have our wing um, at the snap working to the flats as quickly as he can, maybe taking one step vertical and just on a quick arrow route. But uh, number two is running a, a bang eight, basically just working. Uh, it's kind of like a shallower dig. Uh, if uh, if the Sam fills or uh, stays put, obviously we're throwing that arrow as quick as we can. Um, outside receivers are just stock blocking. It's just a quick way to get quick, easy yards. Um, if the um, um, if the Sam flies out or, you know, maybe lines up playing in between two and three, then, you know, that's kind of where the second level of the RPO works, where we're really looking to find that alley defender reading the safety. Um, as uh, basically our rule for that is as, as long as number two can run his dig underneath the safety or, or DB, um, then we can throw it. You know, if that safety is, is maybe being a little hesitant, playing a little, um, uh, maybe the look's getting a little muddy or he's just playing under, then, you know, you hand it. And I, and I think a safe rule, similar to any option play, is when in doubt, just hand it out. You know, it's it's a lot easier for an offense's mentality and, and uh, play calling to recover from a tackle for a one-yard loss or, or no gain or only a one-yard gain rather than having to recover from throwing a pick six or, you know, uh, holding on to it and getting sacked or an illegal man downfield. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's crazy how you were, I mean, LSU did some unreal stuff this year, obviously, but I think you have to have a dude. I mean, Joe Burrow is a dude, even at that level. He is, he is a dude. Obviously, he's going to be the number one pick in the draft, but I kind of feel like I was watching Sarkeesian on a, a little online clinic the other day, a little quarantine clinic, and he was saying that Tua Tagovailoa couldn't, couldn't do too much with it like their rpos are were were outs and and glances because tua couldn't 
process that much stuff. And he's like, we're a physical football team. We need to run the rock. We need to pound the rock. And, and he's the more options you give, the less likely you are to run. So I think, I mean, if Alabama's sitting there saying, hey, we need to run one-man routes, I think every high school should look at themselves and go, yeah, we're doing these 17 route options with a split and a slot and all this bull crap. But I think if you, I mean, Sark just said, like, hey, tag your route. If you want to throw hitches, throw a freaking hitch, but just read it. I think you replace your tag routes with RPOs, and that's how you kind of start into the RPO. And then maybe you do get a dude. Maybe Joe Burrow shows up on your doorstep as a freshman and maybe you can read second level, third level defenders. And, and by the time they, he's a senior, but I think for 99.9% of high schools start with something simple, do something easy. Definitely. No doubt. Hey, one question I got though, is obviously you guys for that first RPO you're talking about, you're running counter back to where the back goes, right? Meaning to so the back leaves and then you counter to the where the defender vacates. That's kind of what I was. I, I didn't do a very good job of saying that. I, 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 no, 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 no. That, it's obvious because you're talking about the wing, so you already set the edge on the tight end over there. So the wings running counter, you know, blocking counter. I mean, the only thing I don't love about that is against like a team like us, where we're going to squeeze and spill it. We're going to still let that guy bounce out and now the Sam can almost come back and play again. You know what I mean? Or whoever widens out with that running back. It'd be nice to almost like if you were playing us, obviously it's a game playing situation, but maybe base with that tight end. I mean, that would be a difference maker if you're playing a four, three team that is really good at squeezing and spilling. If you base with that tight end, now, whoever left, you got somebody leading up in that hole. You know, you mm. got two guys leading up in that hole. That'd be really tough for us. Superpower RPO. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. Yep. Awesome. Well, <clears throat> you know, uh, kind of our next segment going on here is, uh, as previously mentioned in, in some of the other shows, is Coach Heron is our uh, resident old soul, and he can be a little grumpy sometimes, but we still love him. Um, he uh, has his rants of the week where basically, you know, he, he finds something uh, usually pertaining to sports or or the coaching world, and and he just basically tells us what uh, uh, grinds his gears. And and Coach Heron, I, I think uh, for what you're going to talk about today, uh, a lot of coaches and and players can relate to this. Oh yeah, I, I I was accused last time of not bringing enough passion. Well, I want you to know the hatred that I have for what I'm about to talk about today, I think spans the entire football spectrum. So the thing that is, is that I'm going to rant about today are speed flex helmets, Rydell speed flex helmets. Let me talk about the monotonous bull crap that goes into putting a face mask on for a kid, putting a visor on all this bull crap. Let's start here. First off, the horseshoe looks really cool. What does it do? It makes you have to cut a piece of your tape so it doesn't keep popping in and out. Okay. I don't know. It may have some, some safety feature. If it does, that's fine. That's the least of my worries. Okay. But let's talk about the face mask. The face mask is garbage. Okay. The little tiny little clips that take you four hours to put on and your hands are sore and bleeding because you're having to put the daggone clips on is, is the worst creation known to man. 
Okay, and I'm sure it has a safety feature. I'm sure it's to pop the, the face mask off. But can can there just be a way where we find an easier way to put these things on instead of having to have two coaches hold it down while the other one's beating it to death to get it on there? So as I've resorted to, I'm not putting on face, speed flex face masks anymore. If a kid buys a helmet, you put the speed flex face mask on. Okay, yeah, I've figured out how to do it. It took me two and a half years to figure out how to do it. There's a game at Abingdon where I spent the entire first half trying to figure out a speed flex helmet. Not doing it anymore. Okay. I found the trick of the trade. Yeah, I watched the YouTube video. Yeah, I've done everything. Okay. I don't want to. And then don't get me in on the tackle box that comes with it. Yeah, we have to have our own special tools. We have to have our own little things. No, I can't go in to get a regular screw and screw it into the helmet because it doesn't work because it slides back and forth. No. If we could just do without speed flex helmets, I would be in a much better place. And 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 that's my rant of the week. I'm so sick of speed flex helmets. I don't want to see them anymore. The kids can deal with them. Somebody else can deal with them. I'm done. I quit. No more speed flexes. Hey, I'm with you, coach. Here's the crazy thing. Kids love the way they look. And I don't know. We might get sued for this. I don't know how this works. But kids love the way they look, so they buy them. But it's literally not this, you know, it's not one of the best helmet safety wise. You know what I mean? It just doesn't, it's not good enough to deal with all this crap. It's literally the reverse of the 80, 20 rule. For some reason we're bringing in these helmets that are going to cause 80% of our problems, right? Because some kids think they look cool. And I think that's, that's not really good. Um, and I definitely feel your aggravation on that. Definitely. No, I just don't. I mean, yeah. you're right. They don't test well. I, I mean, comparatively, they do a good job. They're better than the buckets that we were all wearing when we played football. Yeah. Let's get that real. But, but I mean, they're testing third or fourth or fifth every single year. Their new version is behind all these other uh, helmets that are testing out. And it just I, I don't I don't get it. I get that you want to look cool, I, I guess. I don't it doesn't bother me. But I, I mean, much rather use any kind of helmet, especially a higher rated helmet above it than the speed flex, because I can fix it in 30 seconds and back to the game. But yeah, it is what well, it is. It, it, it kind of goes along with what we we're talking about with John Wooden. I mean, that, that's a situation that has constantly taken kids off the field for us. Mm -hmm. That's something we should think about. Yep, no doubt. And, and you know, I think we were lucky because we have, you know, had some uh, – coaches who who maybe weren't heavily involved with what was going on at the time, you know, we're a split staff or, you know, we, we had some pretty good managers that, you know, could uh, take time during the game and, and help put together a helmet or, or fix this or that. But, you know, I, I definitely feel for some of the schools who maybe have, who are smaller or have a smaller staff that, suddenly, you know, I'm supposed to be coaching a game and my, you know, little Jimmy or Josh has to come out of the game who, who might be a very important aspect of the team that I'm now suddenly having to delegate tasks of, oh, hey, can you put this helmet together or, or you know, and it obviously only gets worse if, you know, it's a JV kid or, or a less mature kid that doesn't know anything about the helmet either other than the fact that, oh, it looks cool then it makes things even worse. Then you're having yeah. to, you know, maybe trade helmets with another kid or, or, or you know, having to figure stuff out. And, and it's just, it wastes your time. 
No, and, and I understand that aspect of it. I mean, you're going to have crap like that that wastes your time. I mean, our first game this year, we're literally have our headsets have been working all season and they're cahoots and out the door. So, I mean, you have to learn to work with stuff, but the sheer time that it takes to fix stuff, like I know crap's going to go wrong. That, that, I mean, you can count on it. Any game, something's going to go wrong. Something's not going to be working. There's going to be interference. Who cares? But the amount of time that it takes to fix the small problem is my biggest issue because of all the special pieces. Hey, I think that's all great points. I do want to point out that Coach Buckner definitely just called you a team manager probably three and a half <laughs> minutes ago. So I just want to throw that out there. That's your new role, according to Coach Buckner. I'll take it from him, man. He, he, he's <laughs> passing the torch the wrong way, but he's at least passing it. So That's funny. All right. So I think that's our time, guys. So we're going to get off of here. Thanks for turning uh tuning in with us and we appreciate you being here thanks for joining us for another winners get waffles podcast as always you can reach us at winners get waffles at gmail.com follow us on twitter at wins get waffles w-i-n-s-g-e-t-w-a-f-f-l-e-s and listen to us on youtube listen to us on itunes listen to us on soundcloud whatever you can find our podcast on please listen if you have any questions, comments, concerns, interests you want to host, reach out to us. Thanks for your time.